Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child using the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mechie Lozano. Today, Donna Turner joins me on the podcast to dive into the mystery that is baptism, especially during this season of Easter, when we are living out the death and resurrection of our Lord. How do we also live out our baptism? In chapter five of Religious Potential of the Child, Sophia speaks about how the baptismal signs allow us to really see the death and resurrection of Christ. I hope this podcast helps you to look at the beautiful sacrament of baptism with new eyes, as well as calls you into a deeper reflection of this celebration. I hope you enjoy. Donna, we are so excited that you have agreed to be on the podcast with us. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me to be here, Carrie. (laughs) Donna, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and your involvement in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd? Yes, I have been involved in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd since 1994. And even a couple of years before that, I was involved in my parish in religious education Mm -hmm. and just working with young children. But I kept going to my uh, rector at the time and complaining to him because Mm -hmm. we were using a book curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I just felt that a lot of what was being offered in that was um, lacking in what I felt the children uh, needed. And I didn't really have the right language to express this to him. But due to just our conversations, he had recently received an invitation to attend what was called a mustard seed planting that was going to be held in one of the churches here in Memphis. And he uh, said, how about let's go to this and just see what this approach offers and how this might be used for us. And so we went to this uh, mustard seed planting and it was there that I met Rebecca Savage. She had was living in Maryland at the time and had come into Memphis to do this workshop. And at that workshop, the minute that the priest and I heard that presentation of the Good Shepherd, we looked at each other and we knew then Hmm. that uh, we would be doing this work for the children at St. Philip. And so that was... um, really how I came into the work. And then just as so many other people who get involved in catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I was the volunteer catechist that kind of shepherded the uh, work as it extended up through the ages. And so Mm -hmm. I was the level one catechist Mm -hmm. and then the level two catechist and then the level three catechist. And so it's been with the level three catechists, with those children that I've now been for um, over 21 years. And it's with that content that I I feel most at home and with Mm. that age child. And um, really this for me was a huge change because my background had always been in nursing. Mm. But I do remember that as A child that age of that level three child, that nine to 12 year old child, that it was then I became aware of my call from God to become a nurse. 
And it was with a laser focus that then I entered into that. And even all my high school courses were geared to that and my volunteer activities outside of school. But then with marriage and motherhood, that prism of life kind of turned for me and it uh, revealed a new facet. And with that, I would say that my nursing care plans changed to album pages (laughs) My nursing uh, (laughs) procedures changed to presentations. (laughs) And so it was just that kind of uh, evolution of a life's call and focus for me uh, from that. But those skills as a nurse have stayed with me. And and so many of the things that um, are a characteristic of uh, a nurse are a characteristic of a catechist, too. Things like... Uh, observation and assessing needs and things like that. So that makes me think about Maria Montessori and how she was a doctor. And that's what made her be so observant of the children is because she was taught to be observant as a doctor. Mm -hmm. That's neat. I like that parallel. Man, 21 years in the level three atrium. That is a long time, Donna. I have always felt like the level three atrium has so many possible presentations and beautiful Bible studies that can extend for a long time. I wonder if you feel like you have hit all of it in 21 years. I would say I am still so far from exhausting (laughs) all of the potential that is within uh, that atrium. Mm -hmm. But even what is more exciting to me in that regard is it's not only what is contained in level three. Yeah. Because as a level three catechist, you can draw all the way back from level one just depending on who those children are in front of you. And so what for me, it is just a gratitude that I feel because it's not only for nine to 12 year old children, but it offers us a lifetime of uh, possibilities. Yes. Yes. You're right. I feel like level three, it's, um, you know, we're trained for that age child, that second plane child when we do level three formation, but the atrium should definitely say like nine plus because you could go in for a lifetime, like you said, in that atrium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And not exhaust it in and any way. It. I mean, yes. you've been going for 21 yes. years and you haven't said you haven't exhausted it. So that's right. <laughs> well, we have entered into this beautiful, joyful, festive season of Easter. And this is such a happy season. I love this season because of what it represents, but also you feel it. You feel it in the flowers and you feel it in the white color that's everywhere. And the way that we celebrate it in the church is so joyful and so happy. And so we have entered into this season. And what is so beautiful in the atrium is we have all of these really beautiful Easter presentations like the Liturgy of the Light and the the Empty Tomb. But then we also pull in baptism, which I think for many of us, we might first think, well, what does baptism have to do with Easter? And so I would love to dive into this with you, Donna, of like just baptism in general, but then also what does baptism have to do with Easter and what have the children taught us about baptism? Well, when we, just as you said, when we even look around in the world and and at this time, what we see is new 
life mm-hmm. all around us. And that joy of the resurrection in so many ways um, in, in, in the world. And with even from the youngest children, uh, they awaken us to this gift of baptism. Mm-hmm. And for them, we know that they become aware of the Good Shepherd and how the Good Shepherd is always calling us to be with him. And he wants to give himself to us. And this is particularly lifted out again at Easter through this gift of light and the Paschal mm-hmm. candle mm-hmm. and through these presentations with our youngest ones. It's so true. We just have these beautiful images, especially of light that has to do with Easter, that beautiful Paschal candle that represents, you know, Jesus, the risen light of Jesus. And the children are so attracted to the light. When you, especially like when we've done the baptism presentation for the children, we present to them the different gifts that are involved with baptism, like the white garment or the water or the word or the oils or the gestures. It is the light that they are most drawn to. It's, they're just, they gravitate towards it. And I, I think that that tells us something about it. And they, I think it's really beautiful the way the children associate that light, that resurrected light, Christ is the light with the good shepherd so easily. And uh, in fact, too, just as the good shepherd, he gives his life to us, we know too that Christ shares his light with us at baptism. Mm-hmm. And it we receive that gift of the light, but it's really the light and the life of the risen Christ mm-hmm. that is coming to us mm-hmm. on that. And for um, in baptism, we see too how the liturgy truly speaks. And um, Sophia, she's written so many times about this language of signs and the method of signs. And this is something that we never abandon. But she said that this language of signs has never been as clear as it was to them as it would speak through baptism Mm -hmm. and how those works developed. And um, so the child, they, they... already know that that Christ is the light. And they've heard about the great light to come. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've heard about how that light came into the world um, through, as they would hear the words of the prophets, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Mm -hmm. And then with Jesus's death, just for a brief time, that light was extinguished. But then with his resurrection, that light comes back even brighter, even Mm. stronger, never to go out again. Mm -hmm. And it's not enough just for that light to be contained within him. Jesus wanted to share that light with each of us. Mm -hmm. And so it is on the day of our baptism when our name is called and we are marked as Christ's own forever. And we become a sheep of that sheepfold. And two, for the older children, it's at that moment that we become that bud 
on the true vine mm. in all of those ways that continues on. And they see how that life and light is shared with each of us. Mm. And it's so fun to see when we talk to the children about this, how they respond to that spreading of the light. Like it's just like the light is growing, the light is growing. And we talk about this in the level two and the level three children, how we, from that moment of resurrection, Jesus's light is spreading, you know, into our blank page today, how you are going to respond to it all the way to Parisia when the light will consume everything. But it's so beautiful in the youngest children, how they just, their eyes just glow with this whole idea of like, the light is spreading and I am part of that. I have a piece of that light that is spreading. Mm-hmm. For the um, older ones as well, too, even during our Lenten uh, preparation and all. For the level three children, we focus on some scriptures, one from Ephesians about how we are children of light, live as children of light. And another from Romans, um, stressing the need to lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Mm-hmm. And and so with them, we're saying that we know we received this gift at baptism. And how is that light faring within each one of us? And what can we do as we live and as we write our own blank page that will help this light to stay strong and to grow and spread? Mm-hmm. And and even when we look around at the world and we think about the history of the kingdom of God, it, it makes us wonder with conflicts and things that come up, if, if the light is growing and strong, what kind of impact can this have on history? Mm. I feel like I have to ponder that one for a little bit. <sighs> what I find really interesting about this beautiful sacrament of baptism is how, like you said earlier, it is so strong with signs and symbols, that method of signs. What you see with your eyes is the surface of what's happening underneath. And we see that throughout our whole faith, but in particular, this sacrament is very strong in the method of signs. And what I find so beautiful is it seems like the children speak that language so much easier than us. They, they can see past that surface level of the water, of the white garment, of the light, and see Jesus' resurrection, of it, us being clothed in the light, of us being um, washed in that light. And in a way that us as adults, we almost have to retrain ourselves to look look at it through the eyes of children. Mm -hmm. And St. Augustine said that one thing is seen, but another thing is intended Mm. on that. And so that is very much that meaning of signs and understanding signs in that way Mm -hmm. for them. But they, the youngest contemplate and thoroughly enjoy those liturgical signs of baptism. Yes. The other aspect of baptism that I feel like children are very drawn to is the water. And this is one thing about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd that I really appreciate or it has gifted me is a new understanding of the complexity of water, if that makes sense at all. Like 
children are drawn to water. I think we all are. I think it has like a therapeutic effect to all of us, but um, children are specifically drawn to it. And like you even see it as like the level one child, how they love to wash their hands. Like, you know, when a child leaves the bathroom, you have to like beg them to wash their hands. But in mm-hmm. the atrium, they the washing of the hands is like something they love to do. It's always something that they want to do because it's this beautiful like contemplative motion and thing that they get to participate in on their own um, that has a connection, I think, to baptism as well. And two, it is water is refreshing. Yeah. It um, is nourishing, even when you think about nature and things can't live without water Mm -hmm. in in those ways. And so very much so it is needed for life. Mm Mm-hmm. But then we also see that it has a a death component to it as well. We see that in the story of the flood, which in the level three atrium, we connect that beautiful Bible study of the flood to baptism in this really beautiful way. And so it has that death and resurrection aspect to it just within the water that connects it to this beautiful season at Easter again, where Christ died, but then he is risen. And when we were baptized, we died in Christ and were risen in Christ as well. And so those waters uh, are the waters of life and the waters of death mm-hmm. on that. And, and that same spirit that hovered over the waters in creation mm. that was there at the creation of the world, we're calling that same spirit into those waters of baptism. Mm-hmm. And so with that, too, that richness uh, of that as well. And you mentioned uh, the waters of the flood and, and that component, how waters can, in a way, threaten life. Mm-hmm. And those beautiful prayers of the Easter Vigil, uh, they take us on a the a tour kind of a mm-hmm. it is a walk through the history of salvation yeah. recounting these things the the flood and the crossing of the red sea by the israelites on their way to freedom and so they are waters of death for us but in that death we are freed from sin we are freed from evil and then we come into that new life in Christ we are a new creation yeah. in that yeah isn't that beautiful that's so rich it's so rich like the flood being this idea that it's like baptizing the whole earth and then our own baptism being us participating in that it's just it's so rich. And then all the, like you said, all the way back to creation. I love that about the Easter vigil. Like you said, how it takes us through this tour of salvation history. But then I also love how these moments like baptism have that effect as well, have that golden thread effect that all of these moments are connected that lead to your baptism. And then now you are spreading this light to Parisia. Mm-hmm. I, I love that golden thread. And that is a beautiful thing to contemplate and mm. one that um, the children, some of the questions on the typology cards, uh, things that those works that um, we've heard about on the podcast before that search for that golden thread on there. In, in this moment of redemption, they ask the children things like, is there a connection between the flood and my baptism? Mm. 
Mm. And what, what could that connection mean? And just in further pondering of that golden thread. I feel like we can each kind of ponder that mm-hmm. right now at this moment in our life. And then, you know, just at Easter Sunday, how we renewed our baptismal vows, baptismal promises. And what does that then mean? How does the flood in our baptism and now us renewing those baptismal promises connect us? How does that connect us to today? What does that mean for us today? Mm -hmm. How do we move forward from that moment, connecting us all of those moments today? That's deep, Donna. So we have spoken a little bit about how we touch on this beautiful sacrament with the children in the different atriums, but would you kind of take us on a journey through the three atria and the children and how we talk to the children about baptism and how they have revealed baptism to us through the different levels. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if we look at that spiral method mm-hmm. um, that we've heard about so many times, what we could say is with the youngest ones, we are going to what we would consider those most essential and deepest truths of our faith. Mm-hmm. And though what we'll see on the spiral is an expansion or an opening of the bud, if you will, that will blossom into the flower, still all that is contained, all those truths are given to even the youngest children. Mm-hmm. And so we could say that that richest content is with them as they, again, contemplate and enjoy those signs of baptism in the Paschal candle, in the receiving of the baptismal candle, the white garment, the water, the word, the oils, and the gestures of baptism. And when we think about those gestures, we're, uh, we mean that invocation of the Holy Spirit upon the water, mm-hmm. the pouring of during the baptism and also that sign of the cross that marking us as Christ's own forever. Mm-hmm. And as, as this opens out though, we're still never going to abandon that language of signs. And so we would say that then to that child, as they've entered into that second plane of development, that they will continue to contemplate and enjoy those signs of baptism. And there will be some added articles and some meaning cards added. But then we'll go ahead and from those items, they will contemplate then the a, a portion of the order of baptism. Mm-hmm. They will... Um, look at how those important moments are sequenced within the order of baptism. And then in level three, that's going to open out full bud that the flower is bloomed, so to speak. When we think about with this older child, we can look at the complete order of baptism. And Mm -hmm. so that would be every prayer. And I like to think of the order of baptism and this name change came about in 2020. We would refer to it as the rite of baptism. Mm -hmm. And now they've gone back and retranslated. And so it's now entitled the order of baptism. But each prayer 
that is contained within this order of baptism is an opportunity for reflection, for contemplation, every single prayer. And so with the um, older children, they work to sequence in order all the prayers. But then it's beautiful to come back and to say to them, as you were working with this today, were there any words that really touched your heart? That even though you've seen baptisms many times, was there anything today that really touched you and um, that you're thinking about? And so just based on that and then how the children uh, kind of enter into that time of meditation, each and every prayer is an opportunity. And so for that, so many times the prayers that the children are drawn to are going to be that invocation of the water on the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. And again, that recounting of salvation history that happens there. Mm -hmm. And also as well, too, um, that clothing with the white garment and, and the prayer that it goes on. And even within that prayer, it invites us, it says, bring it unstained into eternal life, that garment. And so many times as the children ponder this, they return to parables that they have encountered in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. They think about the wedding banquet mm-hmm. and how that garment that there is something that we have to put on. We have to wear that garment. And even thinking about the light as well, too, it takes them back many times to the 10 bridesmaids Mm -hmm. and how the five were foolish and the five were wise and how we all received the gift of the light. And when was it that that light came to us? It was on the day of our baptism, mm. that we received this light. And yet there is something that we must do to keep that light burning. And so on that, making those connections, um, again, between the words of the baptismal liturgy and just connecting it in other ways to the atrium. Mm-hmm. That's very rich on that. And so I think the children, it just their insights um, into the words and their reflections on that really have a deep meaning that we can glean from the things that arise from their responses mm-hmm. on that. And you know how on every album page we always write as an indirect aim on that fuller participation of the liturgy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was during an Easter vigil. This was around 21 years ago. This was very early in my time as a level three catechist. But there was sitting a couple of rows in front of me was a child of the level three atrium. And we had heard um, in the readings the exodus and the crossing of the Red Sea. We had heard all these readings and then it was the canticle of Moses. And as a song response, we had sung, let my people go Mm. on that and. A chi- the child knew that I was a couple of rows behind her, and she just quickly, she turned around, and she caught my eye, and she said to me, 
I knew every bit of this because of the atrium. And so for me, it was like, I thought, oh, that is that uh, meeting of that indirect aim, that fuller participation yeah. in the liturgy. She was just so elated yeah. that um, she was familiar with everything that was going on and, and such a part of it. <laughs> what a gift that you got to see her excitement. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it, that is, you know, we're really not meant to see those mm-hmm. seeds that we are planting. But every once in a while, that curtain gets lifted. Yeah. And uh, that to give us that encouragement that I, God knows that we need at the time. And so mm-hmm. that was one of those moments for me on that and thinking about that with her. And it's really wonderful for that. So many of the children that I've worked with the Easter vigil has been the um, anniversary of their own baptisms Mm. because that's when so during the Easter season with so many uh, baptisms being done. But uh, so even though we have that more child-friendly celebration of the Liturgy of Light in the atrium, many of the children that I've worked with still have attended the Easter Vigil. And so that uh, it's a particular gift to, um, to see that. Yeah. So, and though no matter when it takes place, if it's um, at the Easter Vigil or uh, on Easter Day, we know that baptism it is fulfilling that promise from God on that and our joining in of the resurrection so it is very much a beautiful time Mm -hmm. yeah and you see that that fuller participation in the liturgy you see that even Mm -hmm. with things like baptism as well you know after we like what you were just saying with being able to lift up the symbols that are in baptism the signs, and as well as each of the prayers. It allows us as the adults, I know at least for myself, but also for the children, next time that they are able to participate and celebrate a baptism, it has so much more meaning because you've Mm -hmm. isolated each of these gifts and you've pondered them and you've looked at them carefully and it allows you to appreciate them and be aware of them in a way that you weren't before. So that fuller participation mm-hmm. of the liturgy, I have so felt that since the beginning of my formation with this work. Well, Donna, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a wonderful conversation about this beautiful gift of baptism. I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of what this topic can offer, but I really want to thank you for taking the time to share your thoughts and your wisdom with us. Carrie, thank you so much for having me. Well, have a wonderful rest of your Easter season. You too. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. I have in our show notes some links to a few books if you are interested in diving more into this beautiful topic of baptism. So we have Religious Potential of the Child, the third edition. In chapter five, Sophia speaks about this beautiful sacrament of baptism. We also have a really unique resource called Baptism is a Beginning, and this is a book full of handouts that can be reproduced both English and in Spanish. The handouts dive into really beautiful topics, such as a spiritual look at waiting for your child's birth or a message for adoptive parents in light of baptism. 
the ideas baptism is a gift or choosing godparents and message to godparents. There is handouts specifically for the Roman Catholic rite as well as the Episcopal rite. It dives into the rite of baptism, the signs and symbols of baptism. It has a handout for each of these different topics. And each of them can be printed off to be reused for baptismal classes for your godparents or parents or whatever you see fit. But I also see this as a really neat resource for parents and for catechists who desire to relook at this celebration of baptism with new eyes through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We would like to thank all the contributing members for making this podcast possible. If you would like to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd or to become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.